What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 36, the trade deadline episode for the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, <laughs> AMA and T. Lou. CM still on the IL. We wish him the very best. I know he wants to be on this episode tonight. Sometimes things just don't work out. And maybe it might have worked out for a lot of these teams here today. But let's check in with K-Mate. K-Mate, how we living, dude? Living well, living large. What a day in baseball. Um, trade deadline was absolutely nuts. Um, got home from work about 3 o'clock today. Turned on ESPN or the Baseball Tonight special. Caught, caught, all the, caught all the deals that were going down. So it was a, uh, it was a good day. Absolutely insane, man. And on top of it, we have a no-hitter tonight, too. And we'd love to talk about that, folks. Shout-out, Framir Valdez. 93 pitches. No-hitter against the Guardians. Guys having an outstanding year. On top of that, they add some big-time quality addition that we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, a returning addition that is uh, pretty significant across baseball. And, and really a lot of significant moves across the landscape of baseball, KMA. Um, and, you know, looking at what the way this episode will go, we're, go, we're going to go over the three top big sellers being the Mets, the White Sox, and the Cardinals, and we'll roll in to each of the teams across each of the divisions to see kind of how these teams have now shaped themselves rolling into the second half, uh, the latter second half of the MLB season. And let's start off right off the top, KMA. The New York Mets really basically organizational altering decisions and from the financial side ridiculous let's start with the two biggest trades of them all uh both of course at the top of the rotation max scherzer heading to texas with the rangers a three-time cy young winner the mets are going to get infielder prospect luis angel acuna the number three overall prospect from the rangers the younger brother of mlb star ronald acuna jr along with that the Mets are going to be sending $36 million to the Rangers as uh, Scherzer did exercise his third-year player option. So he's going to be earning $43 million next year. So to take away the, the money that's needed for this end of the season plus a portion of next year, uh, the Mets are giving away a lot. And on top of that, before we get to K-May's thoughts here on just this ridiculous day, in MLB history, the Astros are getting their returning ace in Justin Verlander. The Mets receive outfield prospect Drew Gilbert and outfielder prospect Ryan Clifford. Gilbert, the number one overall prospect for the Astros, and Clifford at number four, an even more intriguing prospect that folks say. And the Mets will also send $54 million to the Astros towards the remaining $93 million on Justin Verlander's deal. This rounds out to be over $100 million based on the luxury tax and everything that goes in between when it comes to the financial side. So while we saw the Mets pay big, they pay big dividends here in 2023. K-May, let me hear your thoughts on this whole ordeal. Yeah, pretty nuts. I mean, if we were we were sitting here in February, who would have thought that Verlander and Scherzer would be would both be dealt? You know, from that from the the two dogs at the top of that rotation, who would have thought that they'd be dealt at that time? Pretty nuts. Really interesting. A lot of money being moved around in these deals, which is pretty interesting. If we're focusing on the Mets specifically, it's really intrigues me how they're going to treat this upcoming offseason this winter. Are they going to have the same strategy as last year? Are they going to throw money at a bunch of guys? Are they going to be less tame? Are they going to try and kind of retool their roster a little bit? 
in a way and almost kind of regroup, have a transition year next year, and then maybe try and compete in 2025. Um, really interesting. If I'm a Mets fan, I'm kind of pissed because, you know, you go into, you go into the season thinking Uncle Stevie's finally got us, finally got it, got us under his wing, you know, he's going to take us to the promised land. And here you are selling um, after being way over the luxury tax um, in the off season. So pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but like I said, a lot of, a lot of money being moved around, which is kind of important, I think, from the, from the Mets standpoint um, in these deals. Absolutely, man. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you wonder, will this ever be done again with these significant of contracts in a short period of time People were freaking out, of course, that these were some of the largest deals in the history of baseball when it came to AAV in a single year. Now, all of a sudden, we are seeing these teams really, unfortunately, now dealt with while having great prospects. You're now in a position financially where you are you're really dipping into some funds that I don't think were necessarily going to be ready to go to be given to some of these teams. and. Looking at the rest of the trades that went down, KMA, the D, uh, they also sent outfielder Tommy Fan, Fam, excuse me, to the D-backs for infielder Jeremy Rodriguez. They also traded away Mark Canna, outfielder Mark Canna, to the Brewers, along with some cash. They received right-handed pitching prospect Justin Jarvis. The last trade, uh, the notable trade, uh, is they sent David Robertson, right-handed pitcher, their closer, to Miami, who now have their starting closer after AJ Puck's uh, recent decline, and they also received back second base prospect Marco Vargas and catcher Ronald Hernandez. The Mets' new prospect rankings now per MLB.com Acuna now at number two, Gilbert at number four, Clifford at number six, Vargas at number nine, Jarvis at number 15, and Hernandez at number 21. As we talk about the White Sox and the Cardinals, we're going to list those names as well that were also in those trades because. These farm systems are now pretty loaded across the board, KMA. Um, I mean, before we get to your White Sox, is there anything you want to say to all the White Sox fans out there that are listening to our show? What's, I mean, it's, 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 it is actually insane how many deals you guys did. It is. Yeah, I think there were seven players overall. Um, I think a lot of the experts or a lot of the media was saying the over-under was like six and a half. So they just beat that over, um, players being dealt in general. Um, but yeah, it sucks when your team's selling. Um, but I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit. I, I like some of the deals they made, so we'll see what happens. Let's get into it, dude. Let's start with the first trade that kind of shocked the world. Um, the Angels received right-handed pit, uh, starting pitcher Lucas Giolito along with reliever right-handed pitcher Ronaldo Lopez, absolute flamethrower who actually was on the stage last night dropping 100 miles per hour on Acuna. Uh, the White Sox received catcher Edgar Cuero and left-handed pitcher Kai Bush. Both were top five prospects in the Angels system prior to the start of the year. Uh, next trade, of course, was Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly both going to the Dodgers. The White Sox received right uh, right fielder Trace Thompson, brother, uh, brother to Clay Thompson. Uh, right-handed pitcher Nick Nestrini and right-handed pitcher Jordan Leisure. Uh, Nestrini was the number nine prospect for the Dodgers before he was dealt. Thompson has been a hit or miss a little bit this year. I, I, I felt like this was a little bit of a throw-in to um, activate that open spot on the active roster uh, for Lynn and Kelly. 
He should be coming off the IL here on August 3rd after suffering a strained oblique. And then Leisure just got promoted to AAA for the Dodgers prior to moving over. He, of course, is a part of this deal as well. Number three, uh, Kendall Graveman uh, getting swapped for catcher Corey Lee. Graveman going back to his former team. And Corey Lee sort of getting a new opportunity. We'll get to him in a little bit as well. Yankees um, received right-handed pitcher Kenyon Middleton, uh, while the White Sox got Juan Correla. And then finally, the fifth trade that we saw here go down, the Miami Marlins received Burger Boy, third baseman Jake Berger, uh, and the White Sox received a very intriguing prospect and left-handed pitcher Jake Eater. Now going down the new prospect rankings for MLB.com, Cuero at number two, Eater at number four, Nostrini at number five, Bush at number seven, Lee at number 14, and Leisure at number 27. KMA, let's hear your thoughts, man. Yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier. Um, some of the deals they made were good. Sucks that they, you know, this, this is the core that they kind of developed throughout the rebuild. So you kind of thought they were going to win with this core, i.e. Giolito, um, i.e. Jake Berger, guy they drafted first round 2017. Um, just some of those guys that you really thought they were going to win with just unfortunately didn't work out. Uh, but you look at what they what they got in return. I, I do like kind of where they tried to get players back in return. Um, they, they dealt with areas of need in their farm system, right? Pitching depth and catching depth were two like big necessities that they needed to get back. And they really focused on those areas, which I like. Um, intriguing prospects, as you said. Um, a couple of those guys coming back are good. That, that pro- left-handed pitcher from Miami coming back, I don't know I don't know anything about him, but from what, what I've seen him is very intriguing, come off Tommy John surgery, having a good year. Same with the guy from the Dodgers, that righty coming back, the starter. Um, you know, upper 90s fastball, big power arm. So who should be ready in the big league soon? They're going to need guys to fill the rotation after trading away Giolito and Lance Lynn. So you'd hope some of those guys in the minors develop well throughout the rest of this season and then, you know, put themselves in a good position um, in spring training to kind of compete maybe for a rotation spot going forward. So overall, you know, like I said it earlier, it sucks when your team is selling, but uh, uh, I think they got the most for what the, for what they, uh, for what they dealt. So happy with the moves. I would agree with you, dude. I mean, look, at the end of the day, this team wasn't working out and it was prevalent and, while many teams would have sat and tried to see if this thing would work out again, I think all of us knew that this should happen. And hell, you might even get some of these guys back, which may be unlikely. But I think what was really, really great for the Sox to do was keeping Cease, keeping Robert, and keeping Eloy. I thought that now, if they want to build around a group, of course, I thought, you know, there were reports out that Luis Robert was the only one who is non-tradable, which is always, you know, at trade deadline posts on Twitter are my favorite in the world because everything is available pretty much for any of these teams that are sellers, which it's not true. But you have your star center fielder, you have your number one ace, and you have your DH. And now from here, as we've seen with good ball clubs, they they don't spend all their money on individual guys they spread it around the field and now you have developed a system that in the last 24 to 48 hours since the giolito deal you now add four guys to your top 10 prospects and then you're of course adding two others inside the top 30 so now you added six guys that are inside your top 30 while that is not across the landscape of baseball 
I'd be interested to see by next year where they rank. I think there'll be a good podcast episode to see where these guys rank at the end of the year. You guys got a lot back for a situation that other teams would have sat and waited and tried to see if it worked. And I thought it really paid off you guys. I think you guys got some absolute dudes. And I think one of the guys in there with Corey Lee, who was formerly a, one of the top prospects for the Astros is sort of kind of, you know, when you're behind Martin Maldonado and some other top level prospects that have come into the system, it's tough. And it's tough to probably have that motivation to be the guy. And now he gets to go to the White Sox. Grindals are on his way out. He could find himself he could find himself in the big leagues next year potentially. Yeah, I mean I, I would think even this year, you know, he'd find hopefully get some big league time. I think he's on the IL right now. I was reading somewhere. Um, but you know, I DFA Grandal in my eyes, if I'm a White Sox fan, he's not bringing anything to the table. You're not trying to win anymore. He's old. He's washed up. You know, there's no reason to keep him on the roster at this point. So give the kid an opportunity. Let him, uh, you know, catch a decent amount of games here with the last two months of the season and uh, see where we're at come September, you know. Absolutely, man. I think you guys are in a good spot. I think you guys got a lot back. Now, I will ask you this. Um, without trading T.A., I believe he still has a player option. Is that correct, or is it a club option? I believe it's a club option for next year. Okay. So with that, though, does Colson Montgomery make it up to the big leagues next year, in your opinion? I don't think out of spring training. I think at some point next year he'll be up. Yes. Okay. So I think uh, you keep T.A. for next year. Yeah, that's it's an interesting way to look at it, too. Um, like you said, you got you want to spread the money around the field. So do you pick up that club option? Do you decline it and spread that up and spend that elsewhere and just kind of sign a filler, you know, for a year um, to have a guy up there? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and kind of how they re retool the roster. And um, they say they want to compete in 2024, but they got a lot of holes. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out in the wintertime. I know we don't want to spend like the rest of the episode on the White Sox, even though we probably could, but I thought that was probably one of the most ridiculous comments. That Was that from Han? That was from a reporter, um, Bob Nightingale on Twitter. That's what I was, who I saw okay, it from. Well, but. We'll, we'll see about that. He dropped, yeah. the, of course, Cease is staying at like my time, which was, yeah. which was like 5.59 Eastern. He goes, Cease is staying. And it's like, <laughs> I, again, I, who knows what went down there or, or what happened and why that didn't happen. I'm, I, I have a, a, a belief that the O's went with Flaherty because they knew they didn't have to give up as much. And I think cease was potentially on the, on the, on the, uh, on the bend of going to the O's, but that's besides the point. Uh, one last team here to talk about from just a huge huge selling standpoint the st louis cardinals made some major deals over the last couple of days a team of course at the beginning of the season many had winning the nl central potentially being a world series team but unfortunately from the pitching aspect and their bullpen with the most blown saves this year so far in the mlb they were just not in a position to purchase you know buy and everything and now they are on the mend, of course, and we'll get through that here in just a sec. The Rangers, of course, were big, big buyers here throughout the uh, trade deadline. That starts off with our first trade, left-handed pitcher uh, Jordan Montgomery and right-handed pitcher Chris Stratton. 
go to Texas while the Cardinals receive left-handed pitcher John King, right-handed pitcher Takoa Roby, and shortstop Thomas Segizi. Uh, Roby is a flamethrower with some nasty secondary. He's currently uh, on the IL, but he's a really intriguing prospect. Um, and, and you know, while John King may not have been a sort of a little bit of a throw-in that many people are talking about, Segizi looks like an intriguing middle in, infielder as well, really solid prospect. Trade number two, the Blue Jays made two trades with the Cardinals here over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. Jordan Hicks, flamethrowers, going to the Jays with the Jordan Romero uh, Romano uh, injury being really prevalent and putting them in a difficult position. They went out and got an absolute dude. Um, they, the Cardinals received uh, right-handed pitcher Adam Klofenstein and right-handed pitcher Sem Robers. The second trade that was made between the Blue Jays and the Cardinals, also in relation to injury with Bo Bichette. Um, thankfully, MRI results came back. No issues there, but he's going to be day-to-day with some inflammation. They do get shortstop Paul DeYoung. Uh, and the Cardinals did receive right-handed pitcher Matt Swanson. The fourth trade of the day that happened at about, probably I saw about 10 minutes before the deadline ended here today, uh, right-handed pitcher, really intriguing arm. We'll see if he gets a new uh, scenery here and changes everything, but Jack Flaherty is heading to Baltimore. Uh, the Cardinals received second baseman Cesar Prieto, left-handed pitcher Drew Rahm, and right-handed pitcher Zach Showalter. The Cardinals do prospect rankings for each, for at least a few of the prospects. Roby goes in at number four. Roberts goes at a number six. Segizi at number eight. And Prieto at number nine. And then Rom rounding out at 26. So the Cardinals, kind of like the White Sox, I would say, uh, or like the White Sox and the Mets, they've now loaded up their farm system. And look, the Cardinals, you still have Nolan Arenado, you still have Paul Goldschmidt. Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, a lot of pieces that you can be in a really good position along with Wilson Contreras, which at the end of the day, while he's not a catcher, can you can put him at DH. This team's got talent, man. And I, this is scary how much they got back here uh, over the trade deadline. Yeah. Correct if I'm wrong here, but I think all these guys that they traded around expiring contracts. Is that right? Pretty much. Flaherty was. Yeah. Let's see here. So Flaherty had an expiring contract. Hicks, I believe, did too. DeYoung, Jordan Montgomery, and then I believe Chris Stratton as well. Yeah. So, I mean, in my eyes, this is a punt on 2023. We'll try again in 2024 type of deal for the Cardinals. You just went through all the names they still have in place. Um, they have a good core still there. So I fully expect them to try and contend again next year. Um, just because they have a lot of talent around them, that that line, lineup should still be good. Arenado, you know, you said O'Neill, you mentioned uh, Goldschmidt as well. All those guys are still going to be there. So I think there's definitely some firepower still in that offense that is untapped as of this year. Um, so I, like I said, I think they're punting on this year and then fully expect them to be back at it in the winter, trying to build around those guys and try to compete for an NL Central title um, in 2024. Agreed. And couldn't agree more, man. It's, if and I feel good saying this, is the Cubs kind of put them on that. But if they win, if they don't, you know, lose three or four in in both those series, this is a completely different ball, you know, different story. And it was basically coming down to the Cubs and Cardinals for who's going to be the buyer and who's going to be the seller. And it turned out to be the Cubs, which I'm happy about. But you know, it's a risky move as well. We'll get to that in a little bit with what the Cubs did. But um, I think the Cardinals, you know 
credit to them because there was no chance in them doing anything. They could have tried to keep the emotion, the emotional standpoint of we got to you know keep the fans and engaged and everything. But funny enough, this team is still very, very good. And who knows what they can do over the next couple of weeks? Not not really playoff intentions, but this team can still you know have a little bit of a run in them. We'll see what they do. Um, that kind of round, that rounds out the big sellers here. KMA, any other thoughts there on any of those teams? Yeah, I mean the way the market shaped out was kind of a sellers market. I mean the sellers were there because there were there weren't a ton of for sure selling teams. You know there were a lot of teams in the middle. What are we going to do? So it really shaped out for the sellers. I think the sellers really, really took advantage, specifically the three teams we just talked about: uh, Mets, White Sox, and Cardinals. Really took advantage and really made some good deals. I think and got some good value coming back. Um, in those deals that they made. Couldn't agree more, brother. All right. What we're going to do here is we're just going to go around the league and try and, in the time span of our episode here, try and get through as many of these deals that, that went down, giving our thoughts here or there. Let's start with the NL West. Um, and let's start with the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks did make a couple moves, but they did send some guys off. That was pretty interesting. We'll get to that in a little bit, but um, the main deals that went down for them, they got closer Paul Seawald from the Mariners, a, a need for them right now with Castro not really being that top-level closer that they expected and wasn't necessarily had a lot of expectations on him. But with the success that this ball club has had this year and the run that they're trying to make for the playoffs, they definitely needed to solidify that. And the Mariners, Mariners unfortunately, were in sell mode where a lot of us don't would want to see the Mariners in the playoffs. We wanted to see them there but it just wasn't the right time and good on them for making those deals. They also received second baseman Jace Peterson from the A's and center fielder Tommy Pham from the Mets, like we mentioned earlier. I felt as if the Diamondbacks made the moves that they needed to make, and it was, it's not going to cost them anything, and they're still able to have a, a, a fantastic farm system. And look, this ball club is young, and if they get hot, good things are going to happen. I agree with you. I would like to see them go get an arm. I think they could use one more arm in that rotation. Um, however, as you said, you know, this is the first year of their hoping a, a window that's opening for them. So they didn't want to jeopardize their future prospects um, and trade too many of those away for this year since they should be hoping to contend um, in years in the future. Um, but goods, not big flashy moves, but definitely some moves that they could they need and going forward in the playoffs, I think will benefit them. Well said, my friend. Looking at the Dodgers, they acquired Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the White Sox, as mentioned earlier. Ahmed Rosario, a little bit of an earlier deal in the trade deadline span from the Guardians, and left-handed pitcher starter starter Ryan Yarborough from the Royals, which it's kind of crazy to think, though, that they almost had Eduardo Rodriguez, this guy, really the shock around the league besides the, the Verlander and Scherzer stuff. But for a guy to decline going to a team that you are going from a last place ball club to possibly a world series contender. And he just declines it. I, I, I haven't heard anything yet. K may as to why this would have happened. Have you heard? I saw a tweet earlier. Don't know if this is confirmed or not, but apparently he has family on the East coast that he wants to stay close to. Um, don't know if there's any validation to that, but that was the reasoning that I saw. That was a few hours ago. Um, again, don't know if it's confirmed or not, but wild, wild. I, <laughs> I, 
my whole thing was, and, and people, of course, are going to throw this out here, but they're still thinking about like him slamming his mitt on the mound against Yasiel Puig in the 2018 World Series, uh, which is just an unreal video and clip that uh, you'll never, ever see probably again. But it, it seems as if this was obviously personal reasons, and it wasn't yeah. as if he was going to a ball club that uh, – you know, obviously was successful and I mean, has turned around guys over the last 10 to 15 years that other ball clubs just haven't. So um, really intriguing, man. I, I, I just, I, I couldn't. The, uh, yeah. The, the biggest loser in my eyes of that whole deal falling through is the Detroit Tigers. Like how, how are you not as the Tigers talking to his agent a week prior being like, Hey, you might be on the block. These are the teams that are no trade list. Would you, say no to any of these teams. That's something that should be like, that should be like the first thing you do before you start talking to other teams. You know what I mean? So you got a guy who's going to opt out at the end of the year. He's had a fantastic year. He's going to opt out more than likely. So might as well get something for him. And again, that, that should have been done early in the process, going to him and making sure that he would waive his no trade clause before you start talking to other teams. Agreed, man. And you're the Tigers. You have a legitimate shot at being a contender next year. You got screwed with injuries this year. Nothing's going your way, but you have a star-studded rotation potentially in the next two to three years. And you'd think, like, you're right. Like, how is this not discussed? How is this not prepared? I mean, you know that everyone is searching for some form of a starter, in their rotation that can go out there and give them six, seven, eight innings in the playoffs. I mean, looking back at it, I wouldn't be shocked if the Dodgers end up losing a series based on the fact that they don't have enough arms right now. They don't. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. It's crazy. Um, The Padres, weirdly enough, were buyers. Um, while they are, of course, still in the hunt for the wild card, they're pretty out of the NL West division title at this point. But this is a star-studded team as well. I used that term earlier for the Tigers. This is truly a star-studded team. But they acquired a few chips here with first baseman Garrett Cooper coming from the Marlins, uh, first baseman G-Man Choi, and traveling man, left-handed pitcher Rich Hill from the Pirates, uh, and then Scott, uh, right-handed pitcher Scott Barlow from Kansas City. I thought these were great moves. Shout out Matt, uh, for Preller for going out there and, and making some legitimate moves. Um, the Garrett Cooper and G-Man Choi thing, I'm guessing that'll just be a right-left switch for lineup purposes. Um, Rich Hill, I, I, cool. Uh, this will be fun uh, to see this man hopefully pitching in the playoffs. It'll be electric. Uh, I want to see a Barry Zito-like curveball back in, in the playoffs. It'll be absolutely uh, electric. And Scott Barlow is, is a very, very reliable arm. Thought they did a good job. Yeah, I don't know, man. The the Padres kind of confused me a little bit, I should say, in the deadline. Um, looking at their team, I thought they could have used at least a couple more bats. That offense has really been struggling um, to hit for power. Do we really think Garrett Cooper and G-Man Choi are going to move the needle that much to, to push them into the race? It, I mean, solid ads, but not big names, not big players who are going to really ball for you over the next two months, um, in my opinion. What are they now? Like six games back, I think, of the wild card. Let me check out the standings. Yeah, they are currently right now the Padres 
Got this new MLB app that's so annoying. Eight and a half back of the division, and then right now they're five and a half back of the wild card. Yeah, five and a half back. I, I don't know. In my eyes, I just don't see these these moves making up five and a half games over the next two months. Sure, they can start playing better. Sure, they haven't played up to their potential. But just in my opinion, um, don't think they were the best moves to put them in the best position to succeed. You know, I think if you look at it from the other direction, if they sold, they could have got a ton for Blake Snell and kind of retooled a little bit, almost regrouped for next year. Um, obviously, I'm kind of probably going to get exposed. and They're going to sneak into the playoffs into September. Um, but just kind of my opinion, the way I, the way I'm looking at it um, here tonight. I don't doubt what you're saying either, man. And and what was interesting too was when when it whole the whole TV deal thing that came out where they lost the deal that they were they had with their current provider and MLB.com or MLB had to come in and help put it back on the app for the fans to watch. But yeah, you thought that this team was dealing with some pretty significant issues. And let's be honest, man. Blake Snell would have gotten you a haul. A haul. And Absolutely. A haul. I mean, especially with teams who are looking for pitching. Everybody was looking for pitching um, here at the deadline. So, yeah, you could have gotten a ton in return for him. I mean, I know you wouldn't want to send him to the Dodgers, but him, the Orioles, the Tampa Bay Rays, like any of these teams, man, that, you know, a little hometown, you know, comeback for him with the Rays. But. Man, you're looking at some absolute holes for an arm like that. Of course, Juan Soto was an option. I think he'll be I, – I, I do have a, a thought that he will be traded by the next deadline because I don't think this team is going to be able to pull it together. If they can't pull it together now, I don't see how they pull it together next year uh, in addition to that. So we'll see. Um, the Giants, of course, acquired center fielder A.J. Pollock from the Mariners. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, um, small move. The Giants are one of those teams who, like, are very quietly winning baseball games. Like I always forget they're in the wild card race because they're always they always go they always like play fundamentally sound baseball. They're not flashy, nothing like that. They just win baseball games. So yeah. saw that trade, you know, solid trade. Um, I believe they're in a wild card spot right now, aren't they? They are. See. They are currently yeah. the San Francisco Giants are in second place, um, okay. a half game uh, actually tied at the top with the Phillies, uh, up half a game on the Brewers. Um, yeah, the wild card race is getting it's getting very, very interesting now because the Mets are now out, of course, with what they've done. The, you know, you, the Pirates, the Cardinals, they're all gone. But you got the Cubs, Miami Marlins, D-backs, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Phillies, all teams that it's going to be a struggle for them to uh, grab the top uh, spot in their division. So uh, no, no wonder a lot of these teams made these moves. All right, on the NL Central, the Brewers made a couple moves. They acquired first baseman Carlos Santana from the Pirates, left hand, uh, or excuse me, left fielder Mark Canna from the Mets, as we mentioned earlier, and of course, left-handed pitcher reliever Andrew Chafin from the D-backs, which kind of shocked me a little bit, but I get it because maybe there there was a swap there that happened with a uh, right-handed pitcher. So let's see the Brewers. Brewers look good. We're running out of time here, folks. So we're going to start rolling through the rest of these moves here. The Cubs, my Cubbies acquired first baseman, third baseman, Yimer Candelario from the Nationals. A very, uh, you know, in, obviously an intriguing bat there. Probably one of the top rental bats at the deadline uh, is coming back to Chicago. He's originally a Cub a couple years ago, got traded to the Tigers for Alex Avila and Justin Wilson. Then got DFA'd, went to the Nationals, had a great uh, first half of the season here, is now in a Cub uniform. The Cubs, to make up for that spot, did DFA Trey Mancini. While Trey Mancini was not 
what we anticipated he could be for this lineup from uh, a left-handed bat or excuse me, right-handed bat that can handle left-handed pitching. Um, one of the best stories in baseball that we've ever seen uh, for that guy to come back from his cancer battle and to still be doing what is what he's doing. I wish him nothing but the best. Um, it just didn't work out. Uh, he really couldn't find himself in the lineup and everything. So while we wish nothing for the best for I wish nothing for the best, of course, for Mancini. Um, Candelario had a big game tonight for the Cubs against the Reds. Really a, a much needed player there. Uh, the NL East. Did you have anything there, KMA, about any of those moves? I kind of want to know your thoughts on how the Cubs did in the deadline. What do you, what do you think? Do you like them? Yeah, it's so they they needed another left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. Mark Leiter Jr. is our left left-handed, or excuse me, he's our right-handed lefty specialist right now. Um, that that doesn't really work well when it comes to playoff battles and everything. Uh, they got this intriguing arm from the Royals. Quero, I believe, is what his name is. Um, he may be starting down in AAA, but he's had a really really cool story. The the Cubs, they got they get, the prospects that they got rid of were non contenders for being on the roster here next year or maybe even the year after that. And they've added some really top-level players here into their farm system. They've grown into a top five, top five farm system in baseball over the last couple of years. And that's not because of the guys they're getting. It's because they're changing their development patterns throughout their farm system, which at the end of the day, that's what the great teams do. And I, I'm really glad that they're doing that. Um, I'm just – I'm really happy they didn't, they didn't do the big splash and try and get this, in, like, amazing player. Look – Let's be honest here, KMA. The Braves are loaded. They are one of the best teams I've seen since probably maybe even the 2001 Mariners. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded, and they got even better at the deadline. So trying to be this number one team in the NL after the deadline didn't just didn't make a lot of sense. They got Candelario. They didn't give up much for him. The Cubs now sit. They still got PCA. They still got Cade Orton. Um, they still got their top guys in their system. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really, really good. And they beat the living piss out of the Reds tonight. And Wrigley's rocking, and it's fun. It's a good time. Yeah, I, I'm excited for you guys, too. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up not making the big splashy move because I agree with you, too. I think they did exactly what they needed to do, added a couple of small pieces. Um, they're three and a half back. They didn't set themselves back. They didn't really go for it all, you know. They did enough to kind of push for a wild card spot, which I think exactly what they needed to do. Um, so, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, you know, and, and the other thing too, before we we don't want to get too much into the Cubs because we only got a few minutes left here. But you know, Marcus Stroman, while it's 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 so funny how this all worked, but he goes out, he can't stop talking to the media about everything he deserves, and you know how the Cubs should be in this direction as an organization, and calling out the uh, the the top management. And he has now been one of the worst pitchers in baseball since since the London series uh, against the Cardinals. He's been an absolute joke. And while he wanted to get this big extension, he was saying how he's so interested in getting an extension. He, everyone thought that he was going to decline his player option for next year. He's now probably going to accept that because he's like, I have no value now. I cannot go into the starters market in free agency and get what the money that I think I'm going to get. So that's funny how that all worked out. Um, I'm glad they didn't move him. And then, of course, we'll end with Bellinger there. 
there's I agree with both sides. If you trade him, you get a haul. I think that's why the Yankees didn't make any moves because they really thought they were going to get Cody Bellinger. You keep him. He does what he did tonight where he went like three for four, four for five with an absolute nuke off the right right field scoreboard. I think it's a win-win either way. Um, in my personal opinion, if they don't make the playoffs this year, everybody will be pointing fingers. If they make the playoffs and he has a massive run in the playoffs, everyone's going to commit. So it's all going to be dependent upon can this guy execute. So Yeah, I agree with you. So, uh, rolling through the rest of the teams here, Braves, of course, made moves with Nicky Lopez and Brad Hand. The Phillies got Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers. The Marlins acquired Josh Bell from the Guardians, Jake Berger from the White Sox, as we mentioned earlier, along with David Robinson from the Mets. In the AL East, the Orioles made the big splash with 10 minutes before the deadline with Jack Flaherty coming from the Cardinals. Um, I think we can end on the Orioles here because I think I commend them for making a move but not going away from the direction as an organization, which is we are going to have the best damn farm system this, this the world has ever seen. Yeah, agreed. Oriole Magic is alive and well, man. Um, even tonight in Toronto, Gunner, I, I think it was Gunnar Henderson I saw hit a grand slam. Uh, or maybe it was Santander. I don't know. I don't remember who it was, but it was that team is playing well. Um, and I agree with you. You know, they didn't go out there. They didn't waste the whole farm system. You know, they were rumored to be one of the teams that on Dylan sees. Um, the assumption is that the asking price is really high. So the Orioles stayed their course and didn't um, wreck the farm system there. Um, so I agree with you. A solid move. I hope they win. I hope they win the AL East. I'm going to be rooting for them down the stretch here. Absolutely. I think the other team we'll talk about here, folks, with just two minutes left in our episode is the Rangers and the Astros in the AL West. Uh, that race getting very, very interesting, of course, with the Astros um, not doing as hot this year as people thought. Um, as we say that, of course, the no hitter that was thrown tonight. Um, but that division race looks really interesting now, of course, with the Astros only a half game back from the Rangers Kame, with just a few minutes left here, just your thoughts on the Rangers and the Astros. I thought the winner of the deadline was the Texas Rangers. I thought they made moves to put them in a position to really win this division and make a splash in the postseason. Um, adding Jordan Montgomery and adding Max Scherzer really moves the needle for them. Um, and I think they, I think they, you know, are dangerous on the stretch. AL West is probably going to be my favorite division to watch here in the last month and last two months. Um, Astros added, Angels added too. They bought, don't forget, and also the Rangers made moves too. So it should be exciting. Yep. Uh, just my last couple thoughts there to kind of echo what K-May said. The Rangers, they saw what happened. They, of course, now with Evaldi being on the shelf, they had to make moves to solidify their starting rotation. They sure did that. And they got, and they really, from a financial standpoint, really aren't looking at a ton of work from that end. There's their rentals. Uh, but of course, with Max Scherzer, you get a lot of money from the Mets. Uh, the Houston Astros, you get Verlander back. You now have him at the top of your rotation with Valdez. Um, I mean, this, <laughs> they just figure it out, man. They just do. And my last thoughts there on the Angels you bought, you did the right thing. You, you're, trying you're trying you're trying to get Shohei to the playoffs and I think we all are rooting for it KMA trade deadline didn't disappoint and I hope Did we not disappoint this episode as well folks KMA any last thoughts one last thought New York Yankees what are you doing they should have added a bat Bellinger was awful Bellinger got taken off the market but they still could have went through a plan B they didn't Middleton. do it Kenny Middleton yeah that was their big move that was or, great. a middle of the end reliever <laughs> 
Oh, man. I don't feel bad. We didn't get to talk about him. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.